Welcome back to Lambdaforms Radio. My name is Ian Corey. I am the singer and songwriter for the band Lambdaforms. I use this podcast, when I use it at all, to talk to other musicians and artist friends of mine about their process and their latest work. I've revived the podcast this month for a diptych of sorts, organized around the two best live performances that I saw in 2022. The second of this duo will be a roundtable episode featuring some returning guests. Today's episode is about the New Jersey screamo band Massonera, who will release their second full-length album titled Derremar Querer Parar on December 2nd. I was introduced to the band through their bassist, AJ, who I've known since college. I was psyched to talk to AJ today about what she's been up to since the start of the pandemic, joining Massonera, the political and personal influences on the new record, and more. Thank you for listening. I'm glad that we got set up just in time for me to uh, reciprocate the question of how have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I've been good. Um, I've just been working. Uh, just NYU stuff's a little wild right now, getting stuff together for like, recording mm. stuff and class and all this other stuff. I started working at Brooks Brothers yesterday. <laughs> no shit, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris is my boss, my bandmate, which is kind of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, just need some extra <laughs> extra income. But yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that. That's, That's funny. Uh, having a, a band member as your boss, um, especially considering, you know, I've, I was reading through the, the press release and from what I've understood of like, seeing y'all live that it seems like a pretty democratic band uh as far as things go yeah so <laughs> how how are how is the the dynamic handling this sudden introduction of hierarchy <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was fine it was good chris and i work well together anyways you know so it's fun <laughs> i don't think i ever got the story of how you joined mass and era to begin with because they kind of were already up and running by the time you joined right yeah yeah, so I play in a band called This Place. It's actually the worst. And I, me and Andrew were doing a tour, like a little weekender, like New York, Jersey, and Philly. And we at, were just like asking local bands, you know, how it goes. And I had asked them, because um, we were like friends through like the Facebook screamo groups and stuff. Um, they're like, yeah, but we're out of a bassist. Do you want to fill in? <laughs> so I was like, sure. <laughs> and uh, then it turned out to be really fun. And uh, bass is my first instrument, actually. So like, I hadn't played bass in like years, and and like just like getting a bass and and doing the thing, I was like, holy shit! Like, I, this is like why I picked it as my first <laughs> instrument. Like. I actually like really love playing bass and I love playing with them. So things went well. And then they were like, do you want to just be in this band? <laughs> like you already know X number of songs. Like let's just keep doing it. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's how that happened. Did they already have their, their first record out at that point? Yeah. Or was it okay? Yeah. That, gotcha. They had uh, the record and then like a couple EPs and uh, one or one split. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The usual kind of screamo thing of <laughs> a lot of odds and ends surrounding very few full length records. Y- yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like, like learning the material? Did it came, did it come pretty quickly to you or, you know, how, how was that experience getting back into an instrument as well as like picking up uh, a bunch of new material from a band? Getting in back into bass was very fun learning the material was a little challenging just because not too much shade or anything but like they didn't like love their last bass player so uh, his parts sat a little lower in the mix and stuff and and like i was like what is happening here <laughs> like i'm just like struggling to hear it and i'm not like the best transcriber either like you know it, it just takes me a while so it was very stressful like trying to learn the songs even though they weren't like 
super hard necessarily they're they're intricate but they're not like not doable or something <laughs> like i didn't have to like practice right. extra about it or anything but i yeah so it was it was challenging um but fun how did you first start playing bass like how did you pick that as your your first instrument i think uh <laughs> my parents were going through a divorce and then i got into rock music because <laughs> i was like this speaks to me <laughs> um <laughs> and then uh you know I, like started watching like fuse and mtv and i was like there's a lot of guitar players and my mom was like why don't you play bass and i was like what is that <laughs> and uh i basically got a bass so that i could join bands easier <laughs> mm-hmm. because everybody in high school played guitar i didn't really want to play drums like i like drums a lot but i was like i don't know if my mom's gonna put up with that <laughs> like i don't know if i want to do that yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It's a pretty big space and sonic commitment for for any parent. I, <laughs> yeah, I can sympathize with that. I had like kind of the same experience of uh you know seeing like uh, everyone wants to play guitar and then being like I want to do something different. Yeah. And I never considered bass. It was always like I want to be as far away from guitar as possible. <laughs> and so dr- drums kind of I don't know, I just kind of settled on that as a contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you, were you like playing in bands in high school and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, I played mm-hmm. I played uh just like, you know, crappy high school bands, like did a lot of Green Day covers and Blink and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then I got into like kind of like mallcore stuff and then I started writing on guitar a lot cuz I was I don't know, like I I just like was I had all these parts in my head and so I started writing like some of the guitar parts even though i play bass and then i eventually was like well i don't want to like show people guitar parts so i'll just get someone else to play bass because <laughs> the parts are easier for like mm-hmm. mallcore kind of stuff so uh, that's how i ended up playing guitar and then i did it just kind of stuck <laughs> for a while through like college and everything and then i wasn't like mm-hmm. playing bass in bands anymore and even when I moved to New York, I like left my bass stuff in my mom's or I like sold some of it. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to play this anymore. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that, and now I play bass mostly. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what is your relationship to guitar? Cause uh, that's obviously like, you know, I knew you in college as a guitarist and I feel like that's, you know, when people get start to professionalize quote unquote, the, their instrument of choice and whatnot. So I feel like it, you, you might've gotten pegged as a guitarist for a long time. How do you feel about it now that you've switched back to bass? Uh, I feel like I'm, I say guitar bass and I feel like it's like bass guitar. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I just like, I'm not as confident on guitar. Like I feel like I'm a good musician, but like, I don't feel like as good of a musician on the guitar, even though like I have, some technical skills and like i've studied some guitar like but I'm, i've never felt like proficient in guitar <laughs> you know what i mean or like like mm-hmm. like i kind of like write stuff for like this place that like challenges me to be a better guitarist but it's i don't know i find it harder to just have fun with it's more anxiety inducing i don't know if it's because i also like try to play like like some new music stuff on there and it kind of tainted it. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like staring at my instruments right now. <laughs> like, like, I still like guitar, but I, um, not, yeah, I don't know. I just have more fun playing bass. It's like <laughs> at the end of the day, sure, like, yeah, I, I love playing guitar, but I do have a lot of fun playing bass more like live and in bands. Yeah. Uh, so kind of going back to the the subject of of writing democratically in in Massonera, do you still write do you write parts on bass or are you kind of switching back between uh, bass and guitar like what it, what exactly is like the writing process for y'all because uh, it seems like you know when I saw you live last it was like everyone's singing it kind of seemed like yeah and i've I've seen clips of you talking about like writing stuff like on bass on Instagram and that uh, it's interesting, you know, it's like, I don't know, I've been in bands that have been so like one songwriter for so long that like seeing a, a band at the level that you guys have gotten to doing it democratically is like, oh, that's kind of refreshing and surprising. So how how exactly do you write music? 
Well, sometimes it depends. Um, sometimes, like we were working on new stuff already because we recorded the album like a year and a half ago. So, you know, we're like itching mm-hmm. to write. So we've been working on stuff. <laughs> but I don't know. Sometimes uh, someone will have a riff and we just kind of work off that and feel it out in the room. Like, oh, what should come next? Sometimes it is kind of like the I have a a good chunk of a song like ready to go and then we work on that but what's what is nice about that is it's never like like chris brought in something he's like i have these ideas and uh here's like my version of it but then when we like you know when we get our hands on it all together finally it's sort of like well can we try this or that can we cut this repeat that switch stuff around Mm -hmm. and that that's where the process becomes like really like like we try everybody's ideas (laughs) like we're like the other day we're like hmm should we try like two pauses or like a like five beats or like you know like in the section and just to like change Mm -hmm. it up because i think something we try to do not just for ourselves but like you know well mostly for i don't know i don't know how to say it but like to keep things interesting i guess playing it and for i guess listeners too like is like trying to not be so obvious with things but while also trying to maintain a natural feel is like at least from my perspective that's kind of what we try to do is like trying those things Mm -hmm. but like without it sounding like 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 math core it's like a lot of start stop kind of like push pull stuff which i love that stuff but i don't i guess like it's kind of in a different emotional tenor than the stuff that you're playing. Yeah. The way I see it. Like, I feel like with a lot of math core, the stop, start, push, pull, awkward timing is the point. Yeah. Whereas in Screamo, that's like a part of the toolbox that you can use to get to some other kind of emotional place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess I should ask like how, cause you mentioned like getting into, you know, mall core and the, you know, poppier sort of stuff when did you take the dive into into scrams proper like how did that happen uh that's alicia's fault (laughs) our mutual friend um oh yeah yeah um so were we in that class together too it was like a theory class i remember at columbia right we only were in we probably were only in classes together for like the first two years because we then split off into our different tracks. So maybe was it like one of the bigger classrooms? Yeah. It was like a core theory. Like a lot of, yeah. A lot of music theater kids in, in the class. I think so. Yeah. I think we were in the same class. I I I remember remember like I sat like in the back (laughs) corner with like Lucia and I like was wearing like a horse, the band shirt. And he's like, Oh, sweet man. Like, <laughs> do you listen to number 12 looks like you? And then we became friends. <laughs> and right. then um, he was like, uh, he's a big nerd. So he was like, oh, check out all this other stuff and like showed me like braid and all like the old like Illinois emo stuff. And then like mm-hmm. Seth from Options, like he was into all that. And I don't know, like I started going to like shows. And then I like saw Lord Snow and Ito live, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, this is sick. Mm-hmm. This is like all the like things I wish like the post hardcore stuff I'm listening to would get to. <laughs> like, it's just like a heavier, uh-huh. darker version of it. And yeah, that, I just got into it. Like, once I saw like, but yeah, I got I got into like super into like Lord Snow and like and then I started I started diving into blogs and stuff and like Circle Takes a Square mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. blew yeah. my brains and like <laughs> like out of my head and like yeah it was all downhill or uphill from there <laughs> depending on your perspective. Yeah, it depends on. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why I was thinking about Circle Takes the Square when listening to the new record because one of the things that jumped out to me was like, this is a pretty long album for a Screamo album. And it was like the only precedent, like I'm not, I'm by no means an expert. So feel free to correct me if there's other precedents. But the first place that I went to is like, Oh, kind of circle takes a square is the other band that does like really long Screamo records. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I mean that, that's like a big influence for me. I I can't speak to like the rest of them, but like mm-hmm. I love like Circle Takes a Square, and it, you know it's funny too is like when I first joined, I liked more short screamo stuff. Like I was like, oh, like emo violence, like <laughs> one to, or mm-hmm. one to two minute songs, like uh, really fast, really aggro, and like short pretty parts, like. <laughs> Yeah, but then I was like, all right, like, we could sit in this atmosphere for a while. <laughs> like, that became fun. <laughs> Learned to be a little mm. more patient. <laughs> I feel like the sort of, the the angle I would have taken when I was younger, and I guess I'm still taking it now because I'm going to ask you, I feel like the, the obvious jump that a music writer would make is like, oh, the songs are longer because at least one of the members of this band has like went to music school, you know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of be like, Oh, they're, they're, they're aiming at something bigger and, you know, more ornate. Uh, so do you feel like your experience having a more academicized and like more rigorous musical training has informed the way that you play the sort of down and dirtier, heavier, more punk styles or do you view them as kind of like two separate tracks in your brain uh i think they're like more like one track i think for me like i i don't know like when we're when we're writing a song i don't have like a length in mind necessarily or like i don't think any of us do it's sort of like when it feels done which isn't like a (laughs) great gauge Mm -hmm. like like or like i don't know like when we agree all together that like it feels done then it's like done whether it's like a one minute long thing or a 10 minute long thing like and it's nice having like that like breadth of breadth of like option to like if we feel like keeping it short like we can yeah i think i guess like music school stuff does definitely inform like uh some of the stuff i want to try or like just like i don't know like i think a lot about like expectations after like even like after hearing like something weird like seven eight section like people get like accustomed to that groove or whatever even if it's like a weird thing and it's like how do you switch that up so that it sounds fresh it's like the thing after sounds Mm -hmm. fresh or like or if you repeat it like it suddenly has like a freshness to it and i don't know like so like thinking about that kind of stuff and like using I don't know, small tools to do it, whether it's like, oh, we do a lot of like cutting and moving beats, <laughs> like, or pause, mm-hmm. pausing to like achieve that, I think, and, and dynamic shifts. So, like, that attention to detail, I think, is really like the music school part talking. But, like, that's like not just me, though, it's important to everybody. How quickly after joining the band did you start contributing to the writing process? Um, pretty early on. It was a little slow at first and we like had to like learn to work together. But I would say like in the first like four or six months, like I had like a big chunk of like the first like few months of the band was just me learning stuff. So but after that we started writing for this record. It was like early twenty eighteen, I wanna say. Something like that. So wow. Somewhere in twenty eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe early i i don't even know it, it was it was somewhere in there in 2018 2019 zone like we started writing uh sometime between like i feel like it was the winter sometime there or fall um between those two years i could be wrong it's been a minute had you already moved to jersey by then no or I was, still, still, still living in bushwick mm-hmm. uh that was a slog <laughs> uh it took me like <laughs> an hour and a half to two hours to get to band practice one way. So that's how much I liked them and how much I liked playing bass. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And like, we just like kept it to like, I think at first it was like once every couple of weeks practice or something like that. And we ramped it up as we needed to, if we had shows or whatever, but yeah, then yeah, I didn't move to Jersey until like right before the pandemic. So it's a the first couple of years of the band was a lot of commuting and Alan or Mark or Chris picking me up from the train. <laughs> like 
the rest of the band are they all from New Jersey originally? Uh, that's yeah, the impression <laughs> I've gotten from the accents I've heard, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they all. Did are. you have any like? What was it like, like moving to New Jersey and having like that group of people? Or did they sort of like serve as your immediate social circle when you moved as well? Or how was it like, how did you feel integrating yourself into New Jersey and, and this band and, and, and all that when you did make the move? It felt good. Um, Chris and Alan lived like even when I first moved, I didn't have a car yet. And Chris and Alan was like, li- live like a 30 minute drive for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And so did Mark at the time so it wasn't until probably like a couple years ago once i had a car and mark moved to jersey city um we're like neighbors now basically like then it felt like i don't know we could hang out more and that's like we also got a practice space in new brunswick so like it took a while to like get there but like now when we have band practice it's also like a day to for us just to like hang (laughs) um yeah yeah so we do a lot of that like we'll we'll have like a really long practice because we're also just like fucking around and hanging out (laughs) you know like which is really nice it's they are like very integral to my jersey circle because i don't really hang out with anyone else in jersey (laughs) other than like Fallon, (laughs) you know like but yeah, uh, most of my friends still live in Brooklyn, and that's cool. <laughs> just like, but we have made like other Jersey like one thing about them, like them being from Jersey, is I got to meet all the cool like other Jersey bands or like right. uh, even Philly bands, which isn't Jersey, but like I don't know, like a lot of people come through, and um, definitely some gray lines between all three of those states. Yeah. And the the weird thing about like Philly being a a city that's in Pennsylvania that also kind of feels, you know, sometimes more adjacent to New Jersey and sometimes more adjacent to Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's like right there. It's so close. (laughs) What do you make of Jersey city? I've only been once. I had a really weird experience in Jersey city. (laughs) The only time I've been there, I was at a, a Halloween party in 2017 that a friend of mine invited to. And like mostly had a good time, except one guy just like out of nowhere turned to me and said, do you want to fight? Like I had said nothing to this guy. All night. <laughs> uh, and I was like, no. And then nothing happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> weird. That's and then someone weird. talked my talked my ear off about Mike Francesa for like 15 minutes straight which is really terrible but (laughs) so not the best impression is what i'm saying so sell me on jersey city (laughs) jersey city's cool it's cute it's got like a lot of good um like little cafes and like bars and like uh people give jersey a lot of hate but there's like a shitload of good food and like (laughs) the rent's cheaper (laughs) like it's a little bit away from like you know the bustle of you know, New York City and Brooklyn and stuff. And I'm, like, slightly more laid back. So this is, like, more my speed. But it's not, like, too laid back, you know? There's <laughs> it's just, there's, an, there's a lot of assholes here, too, and, and stuff happening. But, yeah, I like it. Um, I like it because it's just, like, a little more chill. And, and, like, I have space. The cats have space. <laughs> my partner has space. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, definitely good timing to get yourself a bit more personal space right before yeah. you're stuck at home that's for sure yeah it uh, definitely beats doing the pandemic in 300 square feet <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> would not recommend that <laughs> yeah uh yeah how i i feel like i haven't you know we've only hung out a few times since the pandemic uh so i don't i i feel kind of like a large part of this podcast was like a way for me to catch up with people and also check in and see like what that experience was like for so many people like across the country. So yeah. What was, what was 2020 like for you? (laughs) Uh, A lot of reevaluating what's like important, like what I actually want to be doing and stuff and transitioning. Like I transitioned during the pandemic. (laughs) It's like I had come out as non-binary for a while, but I I didn't think like, like, I, I just didn't know that I was, like, trans. Or, well, non-binary is trans, but I didn't know I was, like, a trans lady, you know? Like, and so, like, having, like, the space to, like, reflect on that and, like, I don't know, like, try on 
clothes and the comfort of my home and stuff and just like be like removed from people for a minute while I figured it out like that was like really important actually and just like figuring out like oh like what what do I like want to do with my life (laughs) like what's important to me and and those kinds Mm -hmm. of questions so like there's a lot of sad shit (laughs) and a lot of like drinking white claws early pandemic (laughs) but like (laughs) yeah um stuff like that but uh i don't know it was also like i appreciated being able to slow down for a minute and just like have that time to like process everything (laughs) by that point had you started recording the the second album or uh, uh, like how, how did how did the the like lockdown and all that affect your your musical practice uh it was great <laughs> honestly <laughs> so we were we were doing a ton of shows we had like this europe tour that got canceled and so when we got locked down we didn't see each other for like three or four months because like mark and i have asthma and it was like early pandemic and we we're like oh shit like <laughs> do we should we get together in a room? Like we didn't know at the time, like if that was safe yeah. and, and that kind of thing. And eventually they're like, Oh, like, you know, have your bubbles of people. And we're like, all right, <laughs> we're doing this. So we're <laughs> a bubble. Like, I feel like that was the, the drop, like the dropping the race flag for like every band to start practicing. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, when we got together, we just started writing and I, demoed like all of the Masanera stuff like that's kind of been like a big role for me in the band is like I like record everything for mm, like the demos mm. um like I'm not like you know a great engineer by any means but like I can get some stuff in a DAW <laughs> that sounds halfway decent so we can hear ideas and it was really important to writing the record because we could try like vocal stuff and all these other weird ideas before we ever got into the like real studio so when we got to the studio we had already like recorded this whole shit like one time already like and then we could just like let it rip (laughs) is that something that you've done for previous records that you've played on or was that sort of like a new experience that was definitely new that was like something i've always wanted to do and like now i don't want to not do that (laughs) like (laughs) yeah 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 no I, I can relate a lot, uh, you know, because I, I, when I saw Masanera live that for like that first show back at, at uh, Gold Sounds after, you know, people started going to shows again, even though it's like vastly different music, I recognized the sort of kindred spiritness of like, oh, this band sounds tour tight already. <laughs> they must have practiced the shit out of this stuff for the last few years. And it's like, that's how we did the Bellows record, mm. too. So like it was the first time that we did like really extensive pre-production and rehearsal as a band before like going into the studio and it's yeah i never i never want to do it any other way again because like i think the results really do speak for themselves yeah no for sure it's like it's like so satisfying to like go into the studio after having done that work too and just like Mm -hmm. knowing like almost exactly what you want and like you expect to hear <laughs> you like you have expectations of like like you already go in with like these things like where it's not like this new fresh thing that you have no context for you can like really get like into the sound of it all and, and that kind of thing what do you think changed the most about the material from the sort of demo phase to the time that you were ready to go into the studio I don't know if anything changed as far as like song structures or anything like major. Like it, it was mostly just details and like mm-hmm. we had a lot more sonic details to worry about. Like <laughs> we spent like, all, I, th- I, I seriously think we spent like, it must've been like eight months mixing the freaking thing. Like, <laughs> and like, I thought Steve was going to kill us, Steve Roche, because we would send him like these one page, like, uh word documents of like mix number <laughs> blah 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 all of these changes with like our little like names in parentheses like who said what <laughs> just so it could be very clear <laughs> and we have like so many of this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it took a long time to like do it because like all four of us would listen 
write notes, compare notes, consolidate notes, then send them. <laughs> yeah, it was a kind of ridiculous process. That's why it took us forever. <laughs> was this uh, the, like a, an engineer that the band had worked with before? Why did you decide to, to work with them? Yeah, Steve's done like, I think all the Masanera stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And Steve plays in Seisha and he was in Off Minor. He's the drummer from those bands, or he played gotcha. something else. I think he's played every instrument in Seisha, actually. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, he's like an old school punk dude. Uh, he's, he's in his 40s. He's like a big sweetheart and super nice and sick to work with. <laughs> like, yeah, mm-hmm. great engineer, cool person. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't have enough good things to say about Steve. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so I think just like Steve's just, and, and he like has worked with us before. Like, I did one split uh, song with Masanera before recording this record. And so, like, I got to work with him at least once before the, the big thing. And that, it was just fun. It was, it was like really good, a really good experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wrote lyrics on this record too, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we all did. Yeah. Had you written lyrics before? I mean, I, I assume that you did for uh, This Place is Actually the Worst as well. Was that your first experience writing lyrics or have you always had that as like part of your practice? I've always written lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's like a way for me to process emotions or things about the world that I don't like necessarily like feel like. Not that I don't like discuss things with people, but I have like a better, I don't know. I guess for like processing emotionally, like that's the way I do it. It's like, I'll write about it, whether or not it like actually becomes lyrics proper is like (laughs) to be decided if it sounds cool, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, yeah. So I just like write little things, um, about my experiences or things I'm going through or things I'm thinking about in the context of the world. And then, Sometimes I look back and I'm like, this sucks, but like, whatever. I like, I, I had to write it at that time. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I should use it for a song. <laughs> like, right. Um, yeah. What's it like writing lyrics collaboratively? Because that seems like, are you just like kind of writing your own individual lines or do you discuss like broader lyrical themes with each other? How do those kind of things work out? So, both. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, like, one of us will bring some lyrics. And sometimes it's like, oh, I have like, I'm writing about a similar thing. You think these would match up and then we'll try it out and like decide. Um, Sometimes we'll decide like something that'll link them that can go in between Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Um, And sometimes someone will just like write the whole song. (laughs) For this record, it was really cool because... There's a lot of both of that. And we also did like, we we're like, oh, we need lyrics for this section. Can we just write them together right now? We were just like spitballing ideas in the room and like saying it. Yeah, I like that more than this and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was very um, vulnerable <laughs> doing that because, you know, like sometimes you say some corny shit or you know, <laughs> you're you like, oh, you know, never mind. <laughs> like, yeah, your line's better. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah um you have to really like kill your ego to be in Mosnera. <laughs> like um, it really does sound like that yeah <laughs> so yeah but we, we you know we try to get everyone's voice heard and you know we're honest about if we're like not super into something and, and that kind of thing or mm-hmm. and we try to just like match each other and, and that sort of thing and the other cool thing about writing this record was like we reused lyrics throughout. So like certain phrases, like you'll see like appear like in different songs mm-hmm. because we wanted it to like feel consistent. Like there's a through line. So if there's like a topic that was like adjacent or like semi-related or just related to some other song, it often has like a line or two from another song um, within it. Right. So it's like a nice like way to like connect those and and there's a lot of that on the record. It's like all over it. <laughs> how how far into the writing process did that idea of kind of the continuous record that loops back around come into it? I think we wanted to do that pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember exactly when we decided that, but 
I feel like that was always somehow there. <laughs> I was just like, you know, cause I listened to it once when you first sent it to me and then I listened to it again this morning and I realized like on reflection, the fact that the album loops back around makes that first lyric like really hit kind of differently. The idea of like, no matter how far you progress, the thing, the, the goal of like where you want to be still remains kind of like out of reach or at the same degree of distance that you traveled. Yeah. Uh, something about the idea of like going through the entire emotional arc of the record and then landing right back again at that same spot felt like way more poignant than it would be if the album didn't have that kind of looping effect. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was definitely like intentional mm-hmm. and like, the beginning lyrics come back at the end of the record too, but as backing vocals. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. So like we really wanted to like start and end with the same thing. Like that was, that was a pretty early on decision for like writing it. And I think also like we wrote the last song with like, okay, let's like write a song that can end the record. Let's <laughs> say go yeah, back there. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like we ended up figuring that out (laughs) but yeah i always feel like there's always one song on the record on any given record that was like written with a role for it in mind Mm -hmm. you know like i always find that like the last song that i write for an album is the second to last song i say because it's like (laughs) yeah it's like that that's that's always where it's like okay i've got to find some sort of like peak that then can allow the final song to actually like close the door you know right i I, I always end up doing it that way i don't know why it's it's a good way (laughs) it's a good way to be right (laughs) yeah i'm curious about like because i i didn't maybe you did send a lyric sheet for the record in like the the package that you sent but i i couldn't quite find it but i did read the press release and you know, there's definitely some some interesting stuff going on there. It's the first time I've seen hauntology in a heavy like heavy record uh, press release in, in <laughs> at least in recent memory. Uh, so, what kind of conversations about like bigger themes were you having as a group, and what kind of what did you settle on as like the the message that you sort of wanted to send with this record? Oh God, I wish Mark was here because there's so much better articulate at this stuff (laughs) but um i'll try to do mark justice uh basically like the record is really like i think about our individual experiences as people living in like late stage capitalism and like how those things relate to each other and like yeah it's it's like like what we were going through because of like this like system we live in like like Mm -hmm. like a lot of like our individual problems or like things we feel like we have to like shut in like about gender or like about i don't know like depression and stuff like all kind of like stem from like just living under this society that like takes and takes like like or like the system that takes and takes from you and and like you fall into these like holes of depression or debt or like you feel like you have to hide yourself or you know like there's a lot of just themes of like feeling like you're not making it (laughs) like happen Mm. or you know like that kind of thing i think if that makes sense. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down for sure. <laughs> I'm curious about how the fifth track in particular plays into those themes, because that was the most like, Oh, sort of musical moment on the record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially because when I first listened to it, I did like the, the whole thing without like looking at the track list, just kind of as a continuous experience. So I didn't realize that the short, heavy part, right at the start of that song was part of the same track as like the whole big deconstructed club breakdown that happens for the rest of it. Oh yeah. So what happened there and how does that tie into that sort of concept? Cause I feel like there's something being expressed there. Yeah. So that song's called shape shift. I wrote it. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote the lyrics for that when I was figuring out gender stuff there's a line in there too that comes back in another song. It's like, see me through my own eyes. And the, it's sort of like, 
wanting to feel seen and and like it's like the heaviest shortest song on the record well maybe the other song like song nine something like that <laughs> there's, there's another yeah. like minute long one in there somewhere that's yeah sure. yeah i can't remember eyeless faces that's what it's called um we, oh. you know we all have nicknames for the songs like that's that's the botch song <laughs> like, <laughs> but, um but uh yeah i think that song came to that whole thing came together really weird and i don't actually know how to express this well other than to tell you how it came together <laughs> like by all means go for it so i had these lyrics alan had this like that sick riff or whatever and we're like cool like we're gonna write this like weird ass power violence song and then mark comes to like comes with this idea and they're like yo you know those lyrics he wrote i was like listening to alan's like phone demo version of this this track and they fit like perfectly over it and so like mark made up all the like vocal rhythms and, like, I had, like, thought, mm. like, those would go over, like, some, like, you know, like, screamo pretty, like, you know, heartfelt chords or whatever. But, like, they ended up being on that song. And I was, at first I was like, I don't know. But then it, I, like, loved it. I love it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> And then Chris has been making electronic music, like, in the background of our band, like, basically the entire time we've been a band. But, like, hasn't mm-hmm. really, like ever showed that and we wanted like a it was alan's idea but we wanted to like end the song and then just have like a the original idea was just to have like a kick sound that's like kind of like like a you know like Mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. end to like close it out and like transition out of it like we wanted like an endless loop for one of the sides is was the original idea with that but then that transformed into the techno track because chris was like well i kind of want to (laughs) like do it up make something of it yeah yeah yeah. um so it's like this like weird combo of ideas and like i don't yeah (laughs) i'm glad you brought up the format thing because i was i was curious about like which of the three like cd cassette and vinyl do you view as like the real record Mm, uh, does that make sense yeah uh the I mean, they're all the real record, but like, mm-hmm. um, I think it's the vinyl because it has all the art. Yeah. And then like the, yeah, the artwork thing is cool because uh, we're working with this designer called Fluencio. Oh my God. I know his last name starts with a B. This is so embarrassing. But <laughs> Fluencio did all the, the graphic design on our record and he's amazing. So he did like the, background layer of the art mm-hmm. which is like the cd version and then like on the tape version you get the added like cyana print layers and that's like chris did the prints and then mark like edited them in photoshop to like fit uh what we were going for so that's like another layer of art by different artists and then uh miles Carr did the like big like weird kind of like organic looking bigger piece on top and that's for the vinyl reminded me of uh very much like early 2000s kind of you know metalcore graphic design fear before the march of flames yeah (laughs) stuff it's pretty nostalgic for me hell yeah (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess it's like when you mention like a locked groove and thinking about the record as having this kind of like continuous motion, that's where like dividing along sides, that feels like so much of the way that you think about like a a vinyl album or a cassette rather than a CD. Right. Uh, Which although I all obviously it's the same material on all of them, but sometimes those minor differences do kind of affect the way we think about the album. So that's that's only that's why I asked. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost like. I almost want to say it weirdly in some ways the digital version does the album a lot of justice because if you have it on repeat it like literally like you don't have to flip it or do anything it'll just like loop mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then it'll do the the thing <laughs> like it'll go back to the beginning <laughs> and I think that's a really cool effect and yeah that's how a lot of people listen to stuff these days anyways so right um 
I have always gotten a sense from the distance that the the screamo crowd is pretty into cassettes and and vinyl. Yeah. So you do kind of have to give the people what they want. Uh, yeah. I mean, I we're all very into cassettes and vinyl too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, we wanted to make some cool stuff. Like, we wanted each to have its own distinct thing, too. So it doesn't just feel like, oh, this is just the CD version of, like, the exact same thing. Like, at least, like, the art looks a little different. And, like, the packaging's different for everything. And Just sort of speaking broadly about, like, screamo culture and kind of tying into what you are talking about with the, the lyrics before. Uh, another thing I've sort of felt from the outside is that this kind of new wave of screamo and hardcore and metalcore bands are way more openly interrogating issues of gender in a way that I don't remember from my youth. Uh, and I don't want to speak out of turn. I, just, I would love to hear like your impression of the way that the scene has changed and your experience of it as a, as a trans woman these days. Yeah. I, I mean, when I first started going to shows, I was often the only brown person in the room, and that always felt weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even, like, speaking to queerness or transness, like, even just that, like, was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of white people or white dudes specifically, <laughs> you know, like, right, which is, yeah. like, it's fine, <laughs> like, yeah, but also, like, you know, it, it you could feel the difference. Friends, <laughs> you know, you like when you're the only brown person or trans person in a room. So, I think the scene's changed a lot. I think like younger generations are a lot more open about queerness and their issues, and like like issues about race and 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 those kinds of things too. And like, and so like, there's like a mix of like old and new and people coming into the scene and. I think there is a lot more just, like, queer people, like, especially in Screamo, like, I think there's a lot of people that are drawn to this music because of its, like, like, wearing your heart on your sleeve and, like, being true about your emotions or what you're dealing with or, like, you know, it's very, like, emotional in that way, but also, like, you're also like screamo is part of like the hardcore scene and like in the trajectory. So you also are like interrogating those and you're like, why is this this way? So mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of like, it's like a good genre <laughs> for, for dealing with those things. Um, and it's also like very cathartic to scream about those issues. And yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think there's a lot more like queer and, trans and brown people in the room and it's it's nice it's nice to see it's nice to like connect with other people's experiences like when we went on tour at quiet fear that was life-changing because talking to someone who grew up on the other side of the country and being like oh like you have these similar terrible experiences but also like similar good ones like i don't know it's just like a way to connect culturally with someone in a punk scene that you also can connect on like another level whether that's like your transness or queerness or just where your family's from or whatever is so like i don't know i'll just tell you one like dumb little thing that made me happy like we're getting tired or whatever and someone in the van said like oh it's time for memes which i don't know if you've heard that term before no memes <laughs> is like it's like spanish like slang for like uh, like uh bedtime but like in a cute way like you would say it to a kid like your mom would say it to you like oh it's time for memes like (laughs) and so someone said like oh like yeah it's like memes time and i was just like oh like like uh, it just felt good you know (laughs) right yeah yeah so many of the details of personal experience uh sometimes are not recognized along those kind of cultural differences. So I would imagine, yeah, like that's the kind of stuff that can make you feel like isolated and lonely when that stuff is not present, Yeah, you know, in your life. So to, to have, you know, shared minor experiences that that's the, the real thing that builds, you know, camaraderie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what was, what was touring? Like, I know that you had oh not the best time and you don't have to go into all the details <laughs> about that, but you know, 
given that you had all of this time unable to tour, like what was your experience getting back on the road and getting out and playing shows again? Uh, so we did a couple of tours last summer. First one was really good. We went to we went to Chicago, up to Toronto, and back to Jersey. It was a couple of weeks. Um, had a great time. It was super fun being on the road again. It was just like I really loved hearing. It's just so <laughs> it's so fun. Like you get to play music every night and hang out with your best friends and see cool bands. It's, it's exhausting, but it's like so fun. And I I missed that. I I don't like this year is the year we've gone out most on the road. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. I think so like you know pandemic and then just like coming back and being like we're fucking doing it now (laughs) like it it feels so like i feel really grateful for that like for being able to do that and Mm -hmm. yeah and like even the tour that the west coast tour still great uh we had a lot of like hiccups and like injuries and covid and all this other shit like van stuff like it was still great (laughs) like we still got to like (laughs) hang out and do the thing and we had to cancel a couple shows here and there and play as a three-piece for half of it but wow like yeah but I yeah, <laughs> hadn't even considered that as an option <laughs> for, for like it was just one of you got COVID and had to yeah. sit out some of the shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Alan like flew home. Like we didn't have anywhere to put him. <laughs> like we're mm-hmm. in the middle of California. <laughs> like, right. like what the fuck? <laughs> like, we don't, I don't know. Like we don't have money to just like, cool. I guess you stay in a hotel. Like, like, we don't have money for that like at california prices no yeah it's like <laughs> you just like you know be careful like wash your hands fucking mask up and don't take that shit off to your home so you don't get anyone sick like yeah it's like we just had to do stuff like and we had to do the rest of the three-piece and the you know we missed alan the whole time but like the nice thing is like uh, people still liked it and i was like you know you always feel it when a band member is gone but it was really um what's the word validating to like know that like oh even as a three-piece like we could still do shit <laughs> like yeah, yeah we still got this we didn't fall apart <laughs> like we didn't just call it and go home like but it was hard like we had to like stay extra nights places and stuff like that and buy a lot of fucking covid tests and yeah yeah i was dealing with like a weird injury and yeah it was it was a lot it was a shitty tour on like for because of that stuff but overall like great tour (laughs) like uh (laughs) like as far as like emotionally connecting with people and like playing music it was still great (laughs) does it feel like the scene is still vibrant like it hasn't been hurt by the pandemic experience like the, the people are still coming out and it's you know bands are still playing yeah because i definitely feel like there was a sense of like are these networks that existed before do they even still exist anymore like where is everyone with their in their lives uh but you're you get the sense that it's still going strong still holding up yeah definitely and i think there's a lot of like newer bands or like bands that are getting out more now like i feel like hmm Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I was like, I'm like, who are these bands? There's all these bands like, <laughs> that are sick. And like, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a really vibrant scene. There's, there's a lot of people doing cool stuff and like all over the world, you know, it's, it's still a niche scene, but it's, it's just, there's still those networks. Like not everything yeah. fell apart. Like, like there will always be the diehards that won't let this die, you know, like <laughs> uh, the lifers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every scene's got them. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I, I meant to ask earlier, but kind of got sidetracked is uh, on the record, at least from what I read, you interviewed your grandfather for some sound clips for part of it. Oh, uh, yeah. That, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, what did you, as a non-Spanish speaker, it kind of <laughs> flew over my head. Yeah. Um, 
why did you decide to do that? What was the interview about? And how do you feel like it fits into the the broader theme of the record? So I interviewed my grandpa because he's old <laughs> and uh, he's getting really old. He's like 90 something. And mm, I just wow. wanted to like hear about his like, you know, like crossing over story, like in, in detail. <laughs> like I was like, and I like, and I told him to like, I might want to use this for something. Cause like, care about your story (laughs) like so i recorded it with the like intent to just like have my grandpa's voice saying what he went through and yeah and also to like be able to use it for something i thought that was like important (laughs) to me like musically to like kind of have that um and so I, I interviewed him about that, and so there's, um, it comes, the interview comes in right before and also during the song, the second song on the record, or I'm sorry, during... So the second or third, it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like in the middle of the second song, and then right after the second song is what it is. Uh, and that mm-hmm. song's called Hypocrita, and it's like, Alan wrote those lyrics, and they're sort of about this person that's like also like of like Latino heritage that like kind of became kind of Trumpy and like mm-hmm. it's sort of like a, you know, not to dumb down Al- Alan's lyrics, but it was sort of like it really be your own people kind of vibes, you know? Um, <laughs> but like, but like in a serious way, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like it's yeah. like you're the lyrics are like about living in a world like that's, built for like white people instead of brown people and so we thought it was like a good pairing with my grandpa's interview so like have mm-hmm. that on there and he's just talking about crossing over the border and getting lost in the desert and when it comes back right before like the blood for blood lyrics in song three it's talking about like if you hear gunshots like to like run or be careful i i I have to listen to it again but it's basically Mm -hmm. like being careful because like there's just people like that don't even care to like capture you they just want you dead basically um and then it comes back once more and it's like kind of about getting lost in the desert and stuff again Mm -hmm. but that's like way later on the record yeah so that that's basically it (laughs) with the with the interview yeah word yeah yeah I'm I'm excited to like really dig into these lyrics, especially knowing that there's like stuff repeating and ideas repeating to see like how all of this stuff plays against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, is that because I, I feel like there's there's sort of a potential there. You know, I'm I'm going to talk out of my ass about what I think <laughs> I know about Jacques Derrida for a second, but the, like the desert as a space of metaphor, you know, mm. like s- crossing from one place to another transitioning from one gender to another there's this sort of sense of like you have to cross through deserts in this life one way or another and the sort of capitalist system that you're describing is a desert of a certain kind you know yeah like it is a, a place that grinds out life you know that you have to sort of endure to get somewhere else um i don't know there's something there's it, there's a lot of poetic power going on in this album is what I'm <laughs> trying, like, stumbling to, to try and say. Um, oh, uh, and sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go for it. I was just going to say, you reminded me of like one of the other things that my grandpa says about the desert is that like, he's like following like the light of the moon and ends up like back where he started, mm. which is mm. like, like, duh. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, yeah. like, I don't know how I didn't say that first, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That also feels like such a, a that idea of like the looped, trapped space uh, ending up where you started again feels like so clued into the emotional tenor of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, like the the idea of there's this rupture and then life returns to normal, quote unquote, and the idea of like, well, shit, like <laughs> normal sucks ass. <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> um, do, do you feel like the the pandemic had an influence on the record in that way, or was that sort of just like ideas that you already had that you were already working through and that it just sort of happened to coincide with a, uh, global tragedy. 
I think uh, it's definitely both, hmm. at least from my perspective, because we we already had had lyrics, but at the same time, we weren't all the way done with the record either. Uh, so yeah. uh, I feel like we wrote a lot of stuff under the context of the pandemic or like finished it under that context. And it probably had a lot of those feelings within that. You know, you're, you've mentioned already starting on the next, you know, cycle of writing new material. Are you still just in like the musical phase or do you have like lyrical ideas for, for where you want to go next as well? Um, I have like random lyrics I've written probably the others too, but right now we're just like working on the music part. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. We're, this one thing we're writing is super fucking heavy. <laughs> like it's sick. I'm so stoked. Um, but it's not going to see the light of day for who knows how long. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Let's not get ahead. Yeah. Of <laughs> Was there something from the first album going to the second one that you wanted to improve on or make some sort of notable changes or, what was there any kind of sense of like we want to get better at doing this this time around? Well, I don't have a good context just because I wasn't part of the first record. Sure. So for yeah. me, it was like all new. I and I don't know what the rest of them would really say. To be honest, I I Fair feel enough. like. You know, like we've all gotten better at our instruments and writing and writing together. Uh, and like that, di- I will say that the dynamic of the first record, like that was like a five piece band. Like Chris's brother did vocals on there. So like Chris, did, Chris and Alan and Mark all did some backing vocals here and there, I think, on the record. But I don't even think mm-hmm. they did that live until John left and then they had to like learn how to do all the vocals so like once that happened i think like uh and i came then it was like well we all do vocals (laughs) like let's figure out that dynamic and we all write Mm -hmm. so like let's all do that too and and so i i i don't know i don't know how they feel about the first record or like wanting to get better but i think from what they've said or told other people, they're like, this feels like the real version of Masnera, like like this grouping of people. <laughs> like, because they've had like mm-hmm. other members and stuff, but but yeah, I don't know. I, I, we would have to ask one of them, I think, for <laughs> more context. Fair enough. <laughs> um, is are there plans for more touring once the record comes out? Like, what do you have on the horizon now that the album is so close to being released? Well, we have. Uh, the Soul Glow Seisha show, which is a mm. big one in Philly, November 20th. And then um, we're trying to book some release shows for the first through the third of December, just like literally right around the release and stuff for next year. I know I think we're going to do some kind of Midwest tour. Yeah, uh, we're figuring it out the summer too and stuff. It, 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 there's a lot of stuff like on paper, but that hasn't like quite been confirmed yet. <laughs> like their ideas, sure. you yeah, know. Yeah. But but yeah, that's I think the closer upcoming stuff is like that Soul Glow show and Seisha show and um, the release shows, which will be somewhere eventually. <laughs> we're working on that. <laughs> Any other pro- musical projects that you've got going on? Any Anything else that you're excited about that you're working on? Uh, I'm working on... I just finished the sax quartet. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be played in Chicago the 23rd. And I'll actually be there for that. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. Val and I are going to a wedding, so it happens to be the next day. And like, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be sick. I'm excited for that. And then other than that, I don't know. I've just been like kind of working on this thing for ever and i'm excited to like finally get it out the first single drops in like 10 days <laughs> as of time of recording to be to clarify for later <laughs> yeah yeah i might have it out by then but we'll see I'll, yeah I'll, let's uh, let me not get ahead of myself as well oh yeah sure yeah <laughs> well if it happened well yeah it's gonna happen soon or or it already happened <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or if something terrible happens, it happened long in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're just listening in the future, I guess. Let's not let's not unevergreen this. Yeah. <laughs> so quickly. Um, just to kind of wrap up with some lighter questions. Uh, what have you been playing lately? What what games? Oh have you shit. Been uh, yeah. Oh, Ooblets. Do you know this game? No, I don't. <laughs> it's so, it's really funny. Um, I need to go back to Elden Ring at some point, but I've been playing Ooblets because it's very low stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's basically it's kind of the opposite of El- Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You like, you like collect these little cute creatures and then they like dance battle each other and they like uh-huh. fart out a seed and you can make the creature you like danced against in your little garden which you also need to grow other stuff to like be able to dance battle other things this is like the chows from sonic as their whole other game it's like it's like animal crossing meets pokemon oh yeah and like a farm simulator you say those words in a board meeting and they just (laughs) give you five million (laughs) dollars yeah It's so cute though. It's like a it's like very like indie game vibes and like the mm-hmm. humor is really good and it's very like colorful. It's on Switch if you want to play it, but it, it's Word. super fun. It's super cute and it's like goofy and l- super like low stress. Like <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, yeah. that about comes over the questions I had. I really like this record and you know, I'm excited to dig into it more and see y'all live again cuz that last show fucking kicked my ass <laughs> i, I love yeah. that shit so much yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> all right well hopefully we'll talk soon and maybe see each other in the tri-state area oh yeah soon well. <laughs> cool. thanks for hopping on thanks yeah <laughs>